Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. All right. Well, we are into a new series, and I am excited to to walk everyone through this. Uh, We're going to be looking at the Good Church series for eight weeks. Uh, This is based off of a book called A Church Called Tove written by Scott McKnight. He's a New Testament theologian out of the Chicago area. But for the last 13 weeks, I have been walking the staff through this book, A Church Called Tove, because the goal has been to one day get to a place where we can talk about direction at Real Life Church. Where are we headed? Where are we going? What type of culture, what type of people are we pursuing to be? And so I think now is the, a good time, now that we've got the staff through it, and the staff is 100% on board, and they're excited about this, is to finally release it to the community. And to begin speaking about the direction of what and who we are going to be as Real Life Church Pullman. What does it look like to come into this community? What does it look like to be a part of this community? And so for the next eight weeks, we're going to look at that. And we're going to talk about some tough stuff. We're going to talk about some heavy stuff. And today is is going to start off with a bit of heaviness. So bear with me a little bit as we get through that. But um, the goal is that we're going to not shy away from talking about difficult things so that we can really get into the healing and into the direction and into the goodness that God has for us. Amen. Well, let's start with this, this line here by Dr. Edwards Deming. He's a, he was a Christian. He said, a bad system will beat a good person every time. A bad system will beat a good person every time. You know, as Christians, a lot of times we hear about culture, this, this word culture quite a bit. And I think most of our connotations with this is something to resist, right? We resist worldly culture influencing the Christian culture, the church culture. And I don't think we spend enough time focusing on how do we develop a culture within our communities that pursues goodness, that pursues goodness. And, and maybe we think of spiritual disciplines. Well, we pray, we read our Bibles, we spend time together, we go to home groups. Those are, those are great cultural byproducts of things that we do. But there's also a deeper level there about how we pursue things, pursue goodness, that will lead us into those spiritual disciplines. In fact, if we're not careful, if we're not thinking of culture and how we're being intentional with culture, a lot of times we bring our cultures into the church, how we're supposed to do things, the things that we value, the things that we think are important, and this is where a lot of division can also erupt because someone's not doing it the way I was supposed to do it, and they're supposed to do it this way, and humans clash. Who's ever experienced that before in your life? Everybody, right? Well, Cambridge Dictionary defines culture this way, and I like the way they said this. It says, the way of life especially the general customs and beliefs of a particular group of people. And the way of life really captured my mind when I, when I, when I read that, the way of life. Because culture is a powerful thing. Culture is a powerful thing. And before I was a, a pastor or a full-time pastor, I spent time at a company called Qualtrics. They were a company that kind of measures experience. How do we quantify experience? And so culture and experience was always something that we were immersed in every single day. And I, I really cherish this experience I got at, this, at Qualtrics because of how intentional it made me think about culture. 
because when people are experiencing what they're, they're coming into, what they're being a part of within community really leads to a, a system that can be uplifting and encouraging and building or it can be a system that tears people down. You know, we probably all have worked in toxic work cultures or we've been in toxic family cultures or, or whatnot. And so we need to also link when, when people come together, when there's multiple human beings entering into a place like churches, culture is happening. Regardless if we want it to, it's happening. And so we have to be thinking about how do we, we bring in an experience, how do we bring in a culture or a way of life that is uplifting and building and encouraging and pursuing what, what the Bible calls goodness. You know, culture dictates a lot about how we live our life. I, I, I don't think it's any question that I do love to watch football. Sunday is a great day for me, not, because, not only just because of church, but because I love watching the my Denver Broncos. Maybe not the last few years, but <laughs> definitely enjoy watching them today beat the Raiders. I am excited for that. I love watching my football on Saturdays, and, and this is something that goes all the way back to what my dad used to love watching football on Saturdays and Sundays, and, and to me, it's like a cultural thing, like September is like my favorite month of the year because it's football season, right? It's a, it's a cultural thing to me. I value it, and I play into it, right? What about going to church on Sundays? I think for many of us, just going to church on Sundays is a cultural value, right? We value this. We make the time to go to it. Our, our parents may have made the time to go for it. If you're, if you're new to Jesus, you're kind of still figuring out, how do I culturally embed this life of following Jesus into, into my existence? Dr. Scott McKnight says this about culture. He says, we live in culture, and we also live into culture. Our culture begins to live in and into us. A good culture will shape us toward goodness. A toxic culture will shape us towards evil. I don't know if you've ever thought about, maybe you haven't thought this way before, I don't know if I did before I read this book, was how culture actually can shape us. It can form us. Right? Whenever we get into a community of people, even if it's just one or two people in community together, think of marriage, you start to conform and be shaped like the other person. I got 10 times more funny when I married Amy because she is 10 times more funny than I am. And so you start to kind of be conformed by the people you interact with, the people you're around, the values of people. You know, this is why when, when you're, you single people out there, when you're looking at how do I find a spouse, what am I looking for in a spouse, you know, having the same value system is really important because you're going to be creating a culture within your families, Right? In Jesus, our Lord even said this in the most famous sermon ever given. This is kind of my, my key text for today. In Matthew 6, 22, verse 23, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, or raw, or evil, or toxic, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? So our way of life, Jesus is saying the way of life, what, what shines in with us or from us can be directed from the eye or dictated from what the eye is, the lamp of the eye. The eye contains our values is what Jesus is teaching here in Matthew 6. The values that we look at, the things we treasure, the things we pursue or are perceived through the eye. In Matthew 6, he talks about things like our money problems, Right? Jesus talked a lot about 
people's caught up in with, with the, the pursuit of finances or money. So if you value money and if our culture values money, our, our actions will often reveal our motives to either pursuing the value of having money either in a healthy way or a toxic way. If our cultures value success, if success is the thing that we pursue the most, our actions will reflect a system of meritocracy. Who's got the best talents? Who's got the best gifts? I think meritocracy is is a big one in our culture, just in general. The American culture is huge within meritocracy. right? How good are you? How successful are you? Measures into your value, your worth, and our cultures. And I think that even can link into the church. If we value power and control, our actions will guide us to areas where we can exercise that power. What position can I be in that will allow me to have power, control, even with the most purest of motives? I want to get into a place of power so I can serve the most. I think that is a dangerous trap that a lot of times we fall for because we see as power and control as something to be valued in our cultures. What about this one? Kind of the opposite way. If we value the abused and misused and the marginalized people in our societies, what will our actions do to reflect the people who reach out to those individuals? Culture is powerful because it dictates the values of a people group. A community of saying, we value this more than anything else. We're pursuing this more than anything else. If we value the abused and misused, our actions reflect the people who go to those people. If we value the meritocracies, our actions reflect the people who look at the merits and things that are successful and say, this is what we value more than anything else. We learn our way of life for our culture through relationship. And so as you think about this, as we introduce this topic and start thinking about it in, in the church, but maybe in our personal lives, you know, think about it in your workplace culture. What, what things do you bring into your workplace cultures? What do you bring into your college culture? What are you bringing into the Western culture as in general or family cultures? And of course, what are we bringing into the church as a culture? The eye of our church body is observed and revealed in the way that we live our lives, our values. So if we looked at Matthew 6, if we looked at the I as being a culture, how we value the things in our community, we could read it this way. The culture is the lamp of the body of Christ. The way of life is the lamp of the body of Christ. If our way of life is healthy, if we values are healthy, if our culture is healthy, our whole body will be full of light, full of goodness. But if our eye is evil or bad or toxic, the whole body will fall into toxicity or darkness. So if the light within you is dark, how deep is that darkness? You know, this is why I think if, it doesn't take much to, to look around these days and see there's a lot of church scandal. There's a lot of church hurt. There's a lot of, and that gets kind of a cliche word these days because it's used a lot. There's a lot of just, I think, toxicity. And what we value as a Christian people in general, big C church, right? We we like to put the, the best looking or the best gifted speakers and the best talented people on stages. But I think what God does, he takes a lot of times the biggest losers and puts them up, up on stage. The ones with the, the darkest pasts and says, look what I can do. 
right? I think the cultures of, of our churches, I think we're on the, the bridge of something really changing in general in the, in the big C church because I think people are becoming aware of that culture within the church needs to be formed and focused on and looked at from the inside out. This is why it's important to talk about it. This is why it's important to try to get it right because there's a lot at stake when people enter a community that they call a church. I mean, we are a people who are supposed to represent the Lord Jesus Christ into the world. That is a a heavy thing to think about when you think the creator of everything that's ever been created has said, hey, you group of people represent me in this world. How you... And the things that you pursue, whether it be pursuing goodness or toxicity, it leaves an effect in the people that it runs into. We need healthy eyes. We need eyes that pursue goodness. We need eyes that, that, that show who Jesus and the Lord really are to the world around them. And a culture that is a goodness culture reflects a good God. Reflects a good God into the world around them. Too often we have seen toxic cultures and I think there's people in here even, and including myself, who have run into things that, and they suffer experiential toxicity. They experience spiritual unhealth. They experience emotional unhealth because of the environment that they're in. I've had the privilege of, of pastoring close to 10 years and being a part of church since I was born. <laughs> and I got, you know, my dad was a pastor, so I, I, I've been in it all my life. I don't really know what else to do on a Sunday morning at this point other than go to church. Watch football, that's a good point. (laughs) If it was earlier, I would be tempted. But I've had the privilege of these last 10 years to be a part of extremely healthy churches. Churches that pursue goodness, but I've also seen churches that have become toxic. I've opened doors in church plants and I've had to close doors because of toxicity. So I've been in, in kind of both worlds of the spectrum of what this can be and, and can do to people. And there's a short list that I want to just kind of briefly go through that was compiled by a theologian that shows some of the toxicities in our churches today. And Bear with me as I just kind of list these out. I don't have them on the board, but let me just list these out for you. One of the couple of the things they go through, so narcissistic leaders on platforms who believe rules don't apply to them is one area of toxicity we see. Leaders who wield power with intimidation and fear, emotionally abusing and demeaning staff and people in the church. I've seen this and been a part of this, even in my own walk. Environments where the institution matters more than the people, where the corporation of church matters more than the people itself. This can be seen as kind of demonizing those who have left, demonizing those who have criticisms of the church where false narratives are justified instead of truth-telling, where loyalty is more important than justice for the victims, when leaders are celebrated instead of servants. And the last one they list here is where the culture values pastoral egos instead of anonymous servants. I've seen all of these. I probably have done half of these throughout my 10 years, especially as I was learning how to pastor and what it meant and what that was demonstrated to me. Many good and faithful believers in Jesus have fallen victims to bad systems, 
Good people who have walked in saying, I just want to follow Jesus, I just want to get close to the Lord, have fallen victim to systems that have, de- have really destroyed them, hurt them emotionally, they're spiritually. And many of them have probably even just said, I don't want to even be at church anymore. I know people like that. I've walked with people like that all my life who are just saying, I don't even want to be at church anymore because of what it does to people. And that what they're saying here is the culture. The culture, there's something about it that's not good. That has caused many to run away. I told you, kind of heavy this first little bit. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Our Lord is in the restoration business. Our Lord is in the restoration business. In John 1.5 it says, in light, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. I've seen the darkest, most toxic cultures with churches get turned around because Jesus had said this is enough. Where leaders have to step away, leaders have to step down, leaders have to move, where cultures can then be rebuilt and reestablished and rebloomed into something that pursues goodness rather than staying in the toxicity and darkness that it had been. From this dark place, the Lord enters in and builds something new and full of light within its people. A group of people that values goodness and resists toxicity will be a healing place for the hurt and broken because it reflects the healing grace and restoration of our Lord Jesus. I think that those who have been hurt those who have been broken, those who have experienced the darkness of a church culture, those are our prophetic voices in our worlds today. It's those people who say, I have seen the worst of the worst, but I've also seen the best of the best. Those are those voices that say, we need to change. We need to pursue goodness. You know, if you've had terrible experiences within churches, which if you've been around for maybe a few years, in any church in the world, you have. <laughs> because it's full of people. <laughs> you will experience, also, you've also seen exactly what needs to do, what we need to do in order to bring goodness. Your voices are important. Your voices are important because they, they tell us the areas that we need to shed light in and bring life into. So as we look at this series, the series will be how we can live out a healthy and good culture here at Real Life Church. This is the direction we're going. That we are pursuing a a culture that will resist toxicity and pursue goodness. It's not going to be a perfect formula. There is no 1 plus 1 equals 2 in this situation. I'm not trying to come up here and say, hey, I've figured out how we do church the best. There's too many books out there that claim to do that, okay? What we're here to do is we're here to try to get it right, but we're not always going to be right. Okay? My promise to you is that we're going to pursue goodness. We're going to try to get it right, but we're not always going to to be right. This is why it takes a community. It takes people being perceptive, taking the initiative and going, hey, there's something wrong here. I need to to voice up. I need to speak up. Because everyone here has a voice. Even though you may not think you do, you do. You need to find your voices. This is important in how we develop a culture because it's not just the, the leadership who can do this. It takes a community of people saying, yeah, this is worth it. This is worth pursuing goodness and resisting toxicity. So each week we'll identify what needs to be resisted as a community so that we can pursue the value within our community. 
My prayer is that this is who RLC will become. Let me walk you through the next seven weeks. Where one, we will resist narcissism and value empathy. And I'm going to break all these down throughout the weeks. We will resist false narratives and we will value truth. We will resist power by fear and value grace. We will resist institution creep and value a people first mentality. We will resist loyalty cultures and value justice. We will resist celebrity culture and value service. We will resist a leader centric culture. We will value Christ likeness. So, this is what we're going to be going through every week for the next seven weeks. So, you don't want to miss it because you'll miss some good stuff. And let me start off with this because this is the most important part. The only way we can do this, there's no white knuckle in your way to godly goodness, okay? There's no going, we're going to do this, right? I've learned that the hard way, okay? Because I think a lot of you are probably sitting there like, yeah, we're going to do this, right? And trust me, that doesn't work. We do this because God is good, okay? This is the only way this happens. This is the only way we do this is that we recognize that, that goodness is God. The word for good is in, in Hebrew is the word tov. You guys may have heard the word mazel tov. They say it wrong. It's tov. Tov. It's used over 700 times in the Bible. That's a pretty important word that we should probably keep in our minds, right? Tov. I kind of have a joke with some of the staff, and I'll say, if something happens that's tov, we're like, oh, that's so tov, man. That was so tov you. They're probably still sick of me now. I mean, it's only been 13 weeks and they're like, get this guy out of here. To un- <laughs> it's not. I don't think it is either. So to understand biblical goodness, you must first realize that God alone is good. Okay? There's nothing that, that we're going to bring in here and say, because I am good, this place will be good. That is not, that's the opposite of what we're trying to do here, Okay? What we're recognizing is that we're submitting and surrendering to a good God. That, you know, when you, when, when you say that you follow Jesus, there's something that happens. There, there's, a, there's a name that's stamped onto your forehead in a way. Let's say, I represent the Lord. That I am his and he is mine. And this, this does something to us. It, it should do something to us emotionally, spiritually, even physically, where we go, boy, I have a really important role in this world now. That where I go, I am to represent Jesus in every facet of my life. There's no light switch that turns on and off and says, now I'm going to represent Jesus, and now I'm not. No matter where you're at, no matter where you go, this, this is, you were saying, I am following Jesus. You're saying that he is in me, and, and I now am living for him in this world. And in Psalm 119.68, it says this, you are good, God. Talking of God, you are good and you do what is good. Teach me your statutes. Teach me what it means to be good. I want to be good like you. I want to walk in your footsteps. I want to pursue the things that you pursue. I want to reflect you. And so we're even going to talk about what it looks like to pursue a culture of goodness. It starts with understanding, boy, we serve a good God who we are to reflect. We are to pursue the same things he pursues. There is no good church 
There's no church that pursues Tov that doesn't recognize first that, that the Lord brings the good and only does the good. What we do and what, I, what my goal is to do is we create an environment that really allows God to do his goodness. Like, I t- I've told Corbin this before. I'm like, church is incredibly simple. <laughs> but we have made it so complicated. We have made it so much more than I think it needs to be. Church is a place where people come together and experience the goodness of the Lord. I don't know why it ever had to not be that. When people come together, do they experience the goodness of the Lord? Do they experience the, the, what it looks like to be in a community that to collectively pursue goodness? You know, we have a, a big week in the Jewish world. We have Rosh Hashanah coming up this Saturday. Anybody, any Messianic Jews? I, I spend time pastoring a lot of Messianic Jews, and I learned a lot from them. These are, these are Christians who, who like follow the Jewish customs, basically. And Rosh Hashanah is like the, the, the new year, right? So they have a, a new year celebration. But I really value this aspect of Rosh Hashanah. It's on Saturday, or begins Friday night through, through Sunday. But it's a, value, it's a time where people sit and they, they basically contemplate the greatness of the creator God. Where they just realize, boy, God's creation has a lot of good stuff in it. You know, we live in a place that I've, I've never lived in a town like the Palouse before, like in Pullman. You know, we didn't treasure rain like you guys treasure rain growing up, <laughs> especially in June. I've never seen more prayer cards with pray for rain in June in my entire life. <laughs> that was a fun new experience for me. I thought he was going to go out in the fields and just, you know, try to really get it, make it happen. I felt like Elijah. But, you know, when you think about the, the, the act of God growing wheat or growing beans or lentils. You know, this is something that, that in Rosh Hashanah we go, wow, this is a phenomenon. This is amazing that we can put this little tiny seed in the ground and it blooms into something that you can eat. That's how simple the ancient Israelites were with God. Wow, look at the Wow! And I think sometimes we overcomplicate what God is like. I'm so good. Look at this wheat that grows. I'm so good. Look at the rain falling from the skies. Right? We look at God and go, yeah, maybe if my Broncos win this Sunday, you'll be a good God, right? <laughs> I've had that conversation before. I'm, not gonna, I'm a transparent person. You know, and I think this is a time, especially this week, as we contemplate our culture and, and who we are and the pursuits that we're going is, is really to think about in your own life, where is God doing good things? I mean, who, who can take a breath? Oh, that's a good thing right there, isn't it? The fact we, can, we have air in our lungs and we woke up this morning sometimes is just enough goodness that we need that day to go, okay, you're still there, God. Thank you for that. We are created beings made to reflect God's goodness into the world. And that is the purpose of what it means to be a human. People are looking all over the place for, what it, for the meaning of life, and it's on the first page of the Bible. Read the first page, and you got it. We were created in the image of God to reflect God into creation. That's what we're supposed to do. The goodness of God being reflected out into creation. What his desires are, what his pursuits are, found here on earth, 
We're like the caretakers for God's goodness here on earth. And Jesus came and restored all that. He said humanity had fallen way off the old beaten path, and Jesus came and restored that and gave himself a people that said, hey, these people, empowered by my spirit, now wander the world preaching the good news, and he says this, to all of creation. I remember reading that passage and being like, does God want me to talk to my cat? Like, what is he... I'm like practicing evangelism to my cat. I didn't know what he meant by, okay, all of Christ. I didn't say people. Because he's going back to the beginning saying, at creation, you were created to represent me and all my goodness into the world. That's what we were created to be. Now, are some of us better at it than others? Oh, yeah. But what it looks like to be close to the Lord, gets close to Jesus, gets close to him, you just start to conform to him. Just like we talk about in marriage, right? You start to be like him. You start to pursue him. You start to look like him. But it begins by getting close to him. There, there is no good church without getting close to him. There is no good church community if you are not intimate and close with the Lord every single day. If you are not pursuing the things he pursues. You know, when you look at what is good and why God is good... Now, it doesn't take long just to run into Jesus till you realize, oh, there it is. There is goodness of God embodied in a person. The sacrificial love. The sacrificial love of saying, hey, I know these people hate me. They're cursing me. They're bearing false witness against me. They're abandoning me, even as close as friends. They're denying me. And yet, all of that, through all of that, it sent him, he still went to the cross. The sacrificial love of Jesus is good. The humility of Jesus. I mean, you think about the ego that these Pharisees had spitting on him and beating him. The Romans who were beating on him and and making fun of him and how he could have just been like, fire, boom, right? It's happened. He didn't. He didn't say a word. The humility that was demonstrated in the goodness of Jesus to be observed and pursued. Goodness, or tov, is the response of God's people to his goodness. So from the source of goodness do the people of God draw from their goodness. Build communities that pursue the goodness demonstrated by Jesus. Amos 5.14 in the Old Testament says this to to God's people. Pursue good Pursue good and not evil. Ra, do not pursue evil so that you may live. So often, and this is something that's become more and more apparent to me as the longer I'm in church environments and, and pastoring and things, is a death by a thousand cuts is a toxic church culture. Because it's the one place that people feel like they should be able to be safe and are often met with the most judgmentalism, criticism, toxicity. Boy, that just breaks my heart, doesn't it? I mean, I've gone through that. As a pastor, I've been around communities that even are so harmful. We are called to pursue what is good or right in the eyes of our Lord as reflections of his goodness. And it starts with resisting what is evil because it's it's coming in. I don't I don't know about you, but I didn't walk in these doors perfect. <laughs> it's going to be here. We have to resist it. 
we have to call ourselves out on and go, wait, this is not tov. This is not good. How do we resist this and pursue what is good? Pursue what is the goodness of God. Because I'm not even going to call it a vision, because I think vision in church has become kind of a cliche thing again. I'm going to call it my dream. This is my dream for RLC Pullman, is that we be a people who are so equipped, and our reflex is always to resist the evil and pursue the good. When we make decisions, we're making decisions that are pursuing goodness and resisting evil. You know, when I, I went to the staff, we came up with a, a core value system called tacos. I thought that was pretty good. Tacos. Transparency. Authenticity. Christ-centered. One team. And scrappy. We got to do work sometimes. But this is the values that our church leadership team is, is adhering to. Are we living by these five things? Are we observing these five things? Are these five things leading us into the pursuit of goodness for the sake of the people who come here and call RLC Pullman home? Because we want this place to be a safe place where people can grow, develop, and encounter the goodness of God without all of our stuff getting in the way. I feel like my job is to make sure I get my stuff out of the way so that you can flourish and thrive in your emotional health, spiritual health here at RLC. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.